Bibles. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And we're continuing uh, our lesson on a lesson on beginning as we're talking about Peter, uh, of course, a disciple. And as we began a few weeks ago, uh, our series of lessons on uh, becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we had a bit of a hiatus last week with Ocampo. Uh, did a phenomenal job speaking during our uh, Sunday school hour. And we're going to get back into shift into gear here and uh, finalize lesson number one. Uh, if perchance you don't have a lesson yet, uh, we do have a few uh, back there. Uh, if you put your hand up, uh, one of the fellows can get them to you. We've got a couple back there. Uh, Brother Eric, if you want to, you guys got those. Thank you very much. We do have a few left back there. Uh, so I want to make sure if folks don't have a lesson, they get a copy there. That would be great. And Brother Royce, could you close the, the doors there for me? Thank you, sir. All right, as folks are still coming in, take your Bibles there. Look at Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 18 through 20. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren. Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, cast in a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway left their nets, they straightway left their nets and followed him. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, I thank you for these dear folks gathered here today. Lord, I thank you for the blessing that allows us to come together. I thank you for your perfect word, your preserved word, Lord, that we can study and learn from today. I thank you for your spirit that lives inside of us as believers and leads us and guides us in all truth. And Lord, as we examine this thought of following you, Lord, as we see the example of Peter, the making of a disciple, Lord, may we not look at him as one who should have been a disciple, but God, may we see a pattern. May we see the pattern that you want us to be disciples. You want us to follow you. You want us to learn of you. And Lord, would you use your word and the teaching, the truths that we look at today, and Lord, to make us a better disciple. And Lord, as we look at the very beginning uh, today of, of Peter's journey in discipleship, Lord, I pray that we all would begin, Lord, that we would take another step uh, in that journey for ourselves personally. Uh, help me, Lord, uh, to teach you right your truth. Lord, would you be glorified today for our gathering, for our lifting up your word. In your precious name we pray, amen. We see Peter here in this passage, and we've looked for a couple of weeks, in this beginning of a journey, uh, an exciting journey. Uh, an amazing journey. Now, before we get into that journey, I want to remind us and bring us a little bit back up to speed on that foundation of God's purpose for us, all of us. Uh, God made us and created us for His pleasure. Uh, he made us uh, because, number one, he, he loves you. He, he, he is pleased 
uh, and by you. That's his purpose for thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Revelation 4 tells us, for thou hast created all things. And the Bible tells us in Revelation, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. God created you for his pleasure. Number two, God created you and God created me with the purpose of glorifying him. God made us to glorify him in all that we do, in every aspect of our life, in our business, uh, in our family, uh, in, in our relationships uh, in the local church, in our relationship outside the church, uh, in every endeavor, everything we do, God made us to glorify him and bring him glory. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. But... The greater purpose, this greater purpose of glorifying God can only be done as we follow Him, as we live our life in the direction that God would have for us. You know, tonight uh, there are people all around uh, North America and I guess even all around the world that are very excited about a, uh, a pigskin aired up, an oblong flying through the air and being carried up and down a field, and uh, they're concerned about who's going to win the, uh, the really big bowl, the Super Bowl. Now, as that game goes on, if uh, the players on one team get the ball and the quarterback takes the snap, and rather than uh, running option play or handing it off or passing down the field, the quarterback takes the ball, turns around, and runs all the way to the opposing end zone, that quarterback's not going to have a job next year. Uh, he, he's not going to be receiving cheers from his own team. Rather, the other team will be cheering because he's not going to be going the direction that he was supposed to go. Christian, a lot of us aren't going the direction we're supposed to go. We are all to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And we, I gave you these notes before, but I want you to catch up if you missed them. Point number one in our notes, we see the calling. The calling in verse 19. And he saith, this is Jesus, he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I made this statement a few weeks ago, but Christian, there is not one of you here if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is not one of us that God has called to be saved and set and do nothing and just wait, watch, spectate. Rather, God wants all of us to be involved in being disciples, disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible tells us in John 10, uh, we are his sheep. He said, I, I know them and and they know my voice, and I call them, and when they call, they don't, sometimes we don't listen. I've got a dog, a big, white, shaggy dog named Yeti, and sometimes he doesn't listen. Now, he can hear. I know he can hear because if you open up a treat bag from seven miles away, the ear, he hears it. I know he can hear there's no question about his hearing ability, but sometimes he doesn't want to listen. The other day he was out barking at something in the alley, I don't know, some invisible threat that he was scared about. Uh, you know, he's, 
he's this tall and has teeth this long, but he was scared of something. And I said, hey, get in here. And he acted like he couldn't hear. Now, I know he heard my voice, but he acted like he didn't. Christians, so often we don't listen to the voice of our shepherd. You know why? Because we don't want to hear what he has to say. It's like the, the little kid that hears the words that mommy or daddy says, okay, time to put up your toys, it's bedtime. And they act like they don't hear. They just keep playing. Why? Because they don't want to hear. They don't want to stop playing. They don't want to go to bed. Christian, we need to hear the voice of our shepherd and listen. We see the calling here of Peter as Jesus called him to discipleship, uh, to following him. Uh, God wants us and expects us to listen. James 1.23, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. The Bible goes on to tell us what a shame it is to only hear and not do what God has given us. Peter here was called. We see his calling. Uh, we see letter A in your notes, uh, the person of the call in verse 18, and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee. This was not a call of a religious leader. This was not a call of the Pharisee. It was not a call of the Roman government. It was not a call of his father or his mother. It was not a call from his friend. It was a call from Jesus Christ. It was a call from God himself, God incarnate. It was a call from the creator of the universe. Why could he answer that call with certainty? Because he knew who the call was. How many of you have recently in the last year gotten a call uh, telling you it was the Canadian government and, and there was a warrant for your arrest? Have you got one of those calls? How many of you believed that call when you got it? I hope you didn't believe it. Uh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure, absolutely. Uh, click, hang up. No question about it. That's not a legitimate call. Now, all of us have received calls like that that we know are not legitimate. There are sometimes you receive a call and you go, was, was that legitimate? Was that real? But there are many times, I mean, if, mo if your mom calls you, if uh, Brother Bonnie, if your mom calls and begins to chew you out a little bit, sometimes you need that. And uh, Bonnie knows it's mom. And he better listen uh, because he knows mom's voice. He knows that call. Christian, we can count on the call of our Savior. Jesus called Peter. We see the person of the call was Jesus Christ. How wonderful it is. The purpose. Not only the person, but the purpose of the call. And I've got to hurry here. I want to give you the, all the notes here this morning. Verse 19. It says, And he saith unto him, This is the purpose. This is why Jesus called Peter. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of Man. The purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth was always very clear. Jesus said when he was asked in the book of Luke for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's why I'm here, Jesus said. Now, what was the purpose of the call of Peter? It was the purpose of fulfilling Jesus' purpose in the life of Peter. 
That's a wonderful thing that God's call on us is not some new purpose. It is so we can be involved in the purpose of Jesus Christ, in the plan of Jesus Christ. We see that Peter was called. That purpose was to be a fisher of men. Now, Peter had lived his life in Galilee. He was a fisherman. Now, that didn't mean he was like Brother Darren sitting on the bank sleeping with his rod in the water. Uh, that's not the kind of fisherman Peter was. P Peter, he worked hard. He wasn't lazy like Brother Darren. No, he, that was, he was a commercial fisherman. It was not a pleasure event for him. It was the hard toil of life as he would go out on the boat and, and pull those nets. And, and it was a stinky, hard, difficult job. But that was his purpose. That was what he had known. That was his father's job. That was his, no doubt at 12 years old. I'm sure of this in the culture of the day. At 12 years old, his dad would have set him down and said, Hey, Pete, you're going to be a fisherman. We're going, to, we're going to start training you now, and you're going to be a fisherman. You're going to be a fisherman like I'm a fisherman, like, like my father was a fisherman, like the fa my father's father was a fisherman. Here's your purpose in life. That, that happened in the culture of the day. At 12 years old, a young boy was given his purpose and his plan for what he was going to become. That had been Peter's purpose, but now Jesus gave him a new purpose, a purpose to follow him and a purpose to get others to follow Jesus Christ. That was the purpose of the call for Peter. Matthew 28 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Not only was Peter's job as a fisher of men, as a disciple, to bring people to Jesus Christ, but part of the purpose of his call was to get Peter to live with eternity in view. To realize that this life is not just about this life. How many of you remember when you were a kid, maybe in gym class, like I remember when I was in uh, in school or maybe at uh, some event or something you you sang and maybe danced to a song called the hokey pokey how many of you remember the hokey pokey I saw a thing one time that said what if the hokey pokey is really what it's all about now I, that's not what it's all about and by the way this life what we see what we feel what we touch what we hear down here this isn't what it's all about either it's all about eternity. And Peter was called for the purpose of bringing people to Jesus Christ and to live with eternity in view, to have that focus of eternity. That's why Jesus called him. That was the purpose. Jonah was given a reminder. Jonah, by the way, the only preacher I ever read about that went and preached and the people listened to his preaching and he got mad about it. Jonah went and preached judgment of God. And the Bible tells us that the entire city of Nineveh, we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people, repented in sackcloth and ash. And, and Jonah was like, oh, man, I was hoping to watch God barbecue them. 
I was wanting to watch God just come down. And Jonah's on the side of a hill, made him a little stall, a little hut. And the sun was beating down on his head. I think Jonah was probably bald like I am. Uh, probably forgot to bring his hat with him. The hat probably stayed inside the whale. And he was getting his head burned. And all of a sudden, a little gourd began to grow on a vine above his head. And just like that light there shining down, that gourd began to block the light. And Jonah loved that gourd. And he praised God for the gourd. He said, boy, I'm sure glad there's a gourd there blocking the sun for me. And all of a sudden, God allowed that gourd to die. And Jonah got mad. Because he loved that gourd. God had to remind Jonah, Jonah, why would you love a stupid gourd but you don't love the souls of men? Christian, we need that reminder a lot. We need to be reminded that it's not about all the toys we can get and all the things we can enjoy and all the pleasures of life. Life is about eternity. The souls of men. We see that Peter was called. We see... Number one, we talked there about his calling. Number two, in your notes, we see, and we looked at this a couple weeks ago, the leaving. The leaving. Look in verse 20. And they straightway left their nets. Can I tell you that marriage and God's plan for marriage is a beautiful illustration of this principle that we see here that Peter followed in his becoming being made a disciple. You know, before a husband can truly become one with his bride, he has to leave. He has to leave his family to be joined into his wife. Now, we have that principle in Scripture. He, he has to emotionally leave father and mother. He has to physically leave father and mother. There, there's that very beautiful picture in a marriage with our union with Christ and our following Him and discipleship, before we can truly serve the Master, there's going to have to be some things we can leave behind. Some things we, can leave, we should leave behind. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 20 says, And he left the oxen. This is Elisha, Elisha the prophet. Elisha is the man that would follow Elijah. Uh, Elijah would be caught up in a chariot in a whirlwind and and Elisha would pick up the mantle of Elijah, and Elisha would go forth, and, and God would do twice as many miracles through Elisha. But before Elisha could follow Elijah, before Elisha could be used to do miracles, before Elisha could be a prophet of God, Elisha had to leave behind some things. And the Bible tells us there in that passage in Kings that he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and mother. Then I will follow thee. And he said to him, go back again. For what have I to do with thee? Elijah basically said, okay, I guess I got the wrong guy. Let's go back. But verse 21 says, and he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them. And boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave them to the people. And they did eat and he arose and went after Elijah and ministered to him. Elisha understood, I, I've got a, there has to be a separation. I've got to leave. By the way, Elisha couldn't go back the next day and say, you know what, I think I changed my mind. I think I'm going to go back and plow with my yoke of oxen. You know why? <laughs> he cooked them. <laughs> Not only did he cook them, uh, the equipment the, the, of plowing, the harnesses that held them together, the yoke that tied them together, that's the wood he used to make his barbecue. It was all gone. He, he 
burnt his bridge, if you will. He left all to follow after what God wanted, to follow Elijah. Peter here had to leave. Before he could be a disciple, before he could follow Christ, he had to leave some things. There had to be a leaving. There was a leaving, letter A in your notes, of earthly pursuits. A leaving of earthly pursuits. Now, although being a fisherman was not an easy job, it was a hard job. It was difficult. No doubt it was very early mornings and very late nights and, and a lot of work and a lot of labor and, and a lot of danger involved as well. It wasn't a cushy job. It was a difficult job. But that's what Peter was used to. He was comfortable there. He, he was comfortable in that. That's what he knew. That was his comfort zone. Peter was called to leave not an easy job, but a comfort zone of what he felt was normal. He left his comfort zone. He had to leave uh, what he had sought for his whole life. I'm sure that his whole life he thought, after he found out I'm going to be a fisherman, man, I want to be the best fisherman there is. I bet there was a competition between James and John and Peter. I bet Peter was always saying, man, I'm better than James. Well, I'm better than you, John. I'm sure Peter's father would talk to uh, Zebedee and say, hey, I think my boy might be a better fisherman than your son's. And I'm sure there was that rivalry and that competition. But Peter was leaving that. He was leaving that. He was leaving his earthly pursuits. You know, many of us don't want to leave our pursuits for God's pursuits. We don't want to leave our desires for God's desires. Matthew 6 says, Lay not for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Peter left his nets. He left his boat. He left all the things related to the industry he was in. No, nowhere do we ever see except at the crucifixion, after crucifixion, when Peter said, I go a-fishing. Other than that one departure in backsliding, we never see a time when Peter was involved in the fishing industry again. Never again. He left it to follow Jesus Christ. There had to be that leaving. Uh, he began to lay up treasure in heaven. God calls us all to be full-time Christians. God doesn't call every person into full-time ministry. But God calls every Christian into full-time Christendom. God wants us to live for Him, to follow Him, to serve Him full-time with our life. Letter B in your notes. Not only did He leave earthly pursuits, but He left personal ties. 
Can I tell you that I'm sure Peter's dad didn't understand? Why did my boy leave? I'm sure Zebedee, James and John's dad, didn't understand when they left. I'm sure friends and family. By the way, Peter's wife and mother-in-law, we know, we had a, we know Peter was married. So, Pastor, how do you know Peter was married? He had a mother-in-law. Nobody would ever have a mother-in-law unless they were married. But Peter had a mother-in-law, and he had a wife. And I guarantee you, Peter's wife said to Peter, what do you mean you're not going to go fishing today? What do you mean you're following Jesus and you're going to fish for men? Like, you're going to get money for that? You're going to bring home some food? You're going you're gonna to pay the bills? Uh, you're going to make sure our family has enough? As Peter said, well, I don't really know. Then imagine when his mother-in-law went on on him. Uh, what do you mean you're not going to take? How can you not go to? All of that. Now, we take away the, the reality of that so often. We read through scriptures and we, we miss thinking about the reality of the relationships in Peter's life. But Peter left. He left some personal ties. He didn't leave his family. He didn't uh, dishonor his family. By the way, the Bible says a man that won't provide for his own is worse than an infidel. Uh, Peter couldn't have not provided for his family and left his family and then said, yeah, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Jesus said, forget it, buddy. You can't dishonor me and follow me. They don't work together. Rather, Peter cared for his family, but there was a leaving of some personal ties. There were friends. The Bible says there in our text, straightway. Verse 20, straightway. They straightway. That's, that's immediately. Immediately. He determined he was going to follow Jesus Christ, and he straightway left. There had to be a leaving. If I'm to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, there has to be a point, a crossroad of decision. We're not talking about a decision for salvation. Salvation is by grace through faith. It's a decision made receiving what God has already done immediately. It's a one-time decision. Praise God for the eternal life. But we're talking about one who has been born again, one who is a child of God. I believe if we are to be disciples of Jesus Christ... There has to be a point of decision where we decide we're going to follow him. But before we can do that, we have to leave some things. By the way, many times in our life, there's some sins that we've got to leave behind if we're going to follow Jesus Christ. There's some things that keep us and tie us and pull us back from following after Christ. There are those things that would entangle us and slow us down. How many of you have ever driven a car and forgotten left your emergency brake on? Anybody but Pastor Rice been that ridiculous? Yeah, been there? And you're like, what in the world's wrong with my car? Man, piece of junk. Man, there's like no power. And all of a sudden you look down and you see the parking brake lever up. And you go, well, I don't feel very smart now. And you put, whoa, it's like you got turbo. Whenever you get rid of that brake. I've been kayak fishing, and I like catching pike. and I have had pike on a stringer behind my boat. and I'll forget I've got them there, and I go to 
pedal or, or paddle across a lake. And I'm like, man, why is the boat so hard to paddle? And I remember I uh, had a fish basket with a hard bottom. Peter, like the one you have. I remember seeing Peter's when I bought it. And it was acting like a, uh, a sea anchor. <laughs> and I'm trying to paddle, and it's like, oh, why is it so hard? And there's that basket with that hard bottom grabbing the water and slowing me down. Finally, I remembered, and I pulled the rope in, and I set the basket inside my boat, and all of a sudden, I, I could go again. There are a lot of things that will hold us back from being a disciple that we have to let go of. We have to leave. We see that pictured in Peter's life. We, I told you the story a few weeks ago of Dr. Livingstone, a great missionary explorer in Africa who left on his journey with a large amount of books. And traveling through the heart of Africa, <laughs> there were no roads. It was difficult. There weren't even hardly trails. And along the trails in the jungle that he blazed in the heart of Africa, little by little, Dr. Livingstone left his books because he realized he couldn't carry them if he was to continue his journey. We have to leave some things if we're going to follow Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 14, verse 18, And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground. I must needs go see it. I pray they have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray they have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. In that passage, we see people that were called who gave excuse. Can I tell you what an excuse is? Can I give you a definition for an excuse? An excuse is the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. Excuses. Oh, no, I, I can't. I've got this. Oh, no, I, I'm sorry. I can. I, I've got this going on. Christians, so often we give our excuses to God. But may we leave those excuses to follow Jesus Christ. And lastly, number three, in our notes this morning, where we've been pointing towards this morning, we see the following. Number three, the following. We see that in the last part of verse 20. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. This passage ought to be a, a stark challenge, a passage that reminds us of what we ought to do. Like when we recognize the calling of God, when we know that God is calling us to follow Him in this matter of discipleship, we have to go forward in faith. We have to go forward. Forward in faith. Matthew chapter 4 verse 20 says, And they straightway left their nets and followed Him. I want to talk to you just for a few moments this morning about following, give you some points to help you. Letter A in your notes, following requires faith. Following requires faith. Years ago, my, my wife and I and Rebecca and I, I think Elizabeth, I can't remember how many years ago it was. I, you know, they, they were, yeah, Elizabeth as well. We were up in Indiana. 
And I had been in Michigan. No, we're in Michigan. And I got a message from a lady at the mission board that we were with. And the message said there's a pastor that would like to have a missionary family come and present ministry in their church. And, and said it was in Macomb, M-A-C-O-M-B, M-I. M-I is the abbreviation for Michigan. I, I was in Michigan, and I'm like, well, that's easy. Yeah, we, we can go do that. And so I contacted, I called the pastor. He gave, they gave me the number. When I called the pastor, the pastor had a very strong southern accent. Now, for those of you that don't know anything about the U.S., Michigan is in the north. But, but the church I was in in Michigan, the pastor was from North Carolina. He had a southern accent. You know, I'm, I'm from West Virginia, and I'm in Canada, so I didn't think it odd that I got a phone. I called the pastor, and uh, he had a very strong southern accent, though he probably is from the south. Miss Lois grew up in Alabama, and then she got saved and came to Canada. You know, that can happen. So I'm talking to the pastor, and, and I said, now, pastor, I said, can you give me directions? Where are you? He said, yes, sir. And he began to explain where he was. It was not Macomb, Michigan. It was Macomb, Mississippi. Now, I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I had to leave and drive all the way down to Mississippi. Miss Lois, you know kind of where that's at. That's a long way away. And I've got two little kids, and we drove. I did stop. We stopped in St. Louis, uh, not St. Louis, stopped in Missouri and spent the night for about three or four hours in a little motel and kept continuing on. We didn't have much time to get down there. We got to the church about maybe two and a half hours before the service. I mean, we just made it. And we made it. I was, my gas tank was almost on empty because I knew if I stopped for gas, it would take us longer. We made it there. We're fine. I get to the church, go in to see the pastor. He said, you're going to follow me to my house. My wife has prepared a meal. We're going to have a supper, and then you're going to come back to the church. I thought, well, that's great. i got enough gas to do that. I'm fine. And so we left. I didn't have the address. I, I left, and uh, that was before GPS. I didn't have a GPS. I didn't have a smartphone. I had a dumb phone. Uh, I, I had printed, I'd print out maps on MapQuest. Remember that? Uh, I was kind of like a pirate, you know, sailing my vessel. And I followed the pastor to his house. We got there. We had a wonderful meal. And I was like, okay, now I can follow the pastor to the church. And we went kind of an awkward way. And, and I said, pastor, can I follow you? He said, sure. He said, but... He said, I've got, to, I've got to go somewhere before church. He said, you follow me partway and turn here. And I said, Pastor, is there a gas station? I said, I said if it's okay, I'm going to go to the, get gas, and then I'll go to the church. He said, sure. He said, follow me. He said, After, you know, when I turn off, you keep going, and he told me where to go. Now, while I was following him, I was okay. And I'm normally phenomenal with directions, but Brother Eric, I got lost. Pastor turned off. I kept going. Me, my wife, my two little, two little girls. Harry, I've never been before. I've never been to Mississippi in my life. I ended up down in the place where Jerry Clower, some of you may know the name, uh, where Jerry Clower was from. That's the middle of nowhere. Nothing but coon dogs and raccoons down there. But I was driving, and I needed gas, and that gas gauge was on low. The, the flight was flashing. I'm supposed to be at the church in like 20 minutes. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm out of gas in the middle of God-forsaken nowhere, Mississippi. 
I mean literally nowhere, Mississippi. I finally, trying to call the church, trying to call the preacher, finally, one of the deacons in the church called preacher, had him call me, and I said, yeah, so we ran out of gas. He laughed at me. They brought us gas. He laughed the whole time. We got to the, I followed him to the church. Everybody thought it was the funniest thing in the world that I ran out of gas. Everybody except me. But when I was following the preacher, I was fine. When I stopped following him, that's when the problem came. Now, as believers, if we're to be the disciples God wants us to be, we need to follow Christ. And following requires faith. You know why I was willing to follow that preacher to the church? I knew he knew the way. If my wife had said, hey, I'll, I'll drive, you follow me. My wife didn't know where she was going. By the way, guess who else didn't know where he was going? I didn't either. But I knew I could trust a preacher. I knew he knew where he was going. It took faith. It took faith for Moses to forsake Pharaoh's palace and say, I choose rather to suffer affliction with my people. It, it took faith. It took faith for Gideon, who was a scared man, a fearful man, hiding it took faith for him to say, okay, God, I'll go with this small group against the Midianites. It took faith. It took faith. It took faith for Peter to follow Christ. It took faith for Daniel to reject the king's food and say, no, I, I, I want to not dishonor myself. I, I, I want to honor the Lord. It took faith. It took faith. By the way, it took faith. For Joseph, when, when he found out that Mary was pregnant, and God said, it's okay, Joseph. She hasn't been unfaithful to you. It's of the Holy Ghost. I took a lot of faith. I took a lot of faith for Joseph to go, okay. I took some faith for him not to put her away. It took faith. For Philip to leave a great revival that was happening in Samaria to go and preach the gospel to one Ethiopian eunuch in a chariot on the side of the road. It took faith. It took faith. It took faith for Paul to forsake the plans of his life and direction of his life to follow Jesus Christ. And it will take faith. Christian, it's going to take faith for you to follow Jesus. It's going to take faith if we're to follow him in discipleship. Hebrews 11.6, for without faith it is impossible to please him. At this critical juncture in his life, Peter was faced with a decision that was a decision of faith. He didn't know how it was going to work out. He didn't know the end. By the way, can I tell you what Peter's end was on this earth? It wasn't him living in a uh, luxurious home, relaxing uh, by his pool and uh, being fanned and fed grapes. What was Peter's end? Crucified. Had he known the end, he might not have followed. But Peter didn't know the end. He didn't even know the beginning. He simply had Jesus saying, hey, follow me. Follow me. Following takes faith. Faith, simple obedience and trust. Letter B, as we think about following, following re replaces fear. 
I want you to think about what may have been going through Peter's mind when Jesus looked at them and said, Hey, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Don't tell me. Don't tell me that Peter didn't have some doubts. Don't tell me Peter didn't have some fears. I think Peter was the kind of guy, if he had to fight 20 guys, he might lose the fight, but he wasn't afraid to fight. He wasn't afraid to shoot his mouth off. He wasn't afraid to do some battle. But I think Peter had some fears. He had some fears. But can I tell you that faith replaces fear. Peter had a livelihood that supported his family. No doubt he was fearful about that, leaving it. Peter had no guarantees of comfort and safety. By the way, Jesus told those men that followed him, listen to these words in Matthew 16, verse 24. Now, this was Jesus' sales pitch. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He said, hey, fellas, you come with me, I'll give you a signing bonus. Man, I'll give you a raise. You have a nice house, you have a nice car. Now, the hell evangelists say that. I'm, I'm sorry, the televangelists will tell you that. Because they're not like Jesus. But Jesus said, hey, you want to follow me? Get ready to die. Want to follow me? Deny yourself. Jesus didn't say, hey, guys, everything's going to be wonderful and lovely. You come follow me. Rather, he said just the opposite. There was some fear. There was some fear. On the brink of that adventure of following Jesus Christ and becoming a disciple and making Peter a disciple of Jesus Christ, there were fears. But those fears were replaced by faith. Those fears were replaced by faith. I had a 1974 AMC Gremlin X. How many of you know what an AMC Gremlin is? The rest of you poor people have no culture. You're not refined. One of the ugliest cars ever made. Now, the only thing uglier, I think, was probably whenever they came out with... uh, the Pacer, which looked like a car that uh, was part car, part goldfish bowl. But I had a AMC Gremlin. My wife hated that car. It's a miracle she didn't divorce me over how much she hated that car. Now, to be fair, don't be mad at my wife. One of the reasons she hated that car is it had some rust on it. I was trying to fix it, trying to make it look a little better. And by the time I was done, I decided to rattle can paint the entire car. And I painted it canary yellow with a big blue stripe down, came around down the top. It was epic. Uh, she hated that car. But the AMC Gremlin was a unique vehicle. It was an econo box. It was a small car. It was made during the height of the emission regulations in the 70s. And as there was a race to get a more fuel-efficient car and especially with all the emission controls and things that were put on it. They were choking the engines down. They are trying to get a more fuel-efficient car. But it was also the same exact drivetrain dimensions 
as the AMX, which was their AMC's sports car. Now, what that meant was that you could take, I had a straight six, uh, six-cylinder uh, engine in my car. I could have taken that engine out of that AMC Gremlin. I could have taken the rear end out of that vehicle. I could have got a rear axle out of an AMX, a Javelin. It would have bolted up. No modifications needed. Bolt right to the frame. I could have taken a 390 or whatever engine, uh, 360 or there was a couple others they used bigger engines and I could have dropped one of those big V8s, small block V8s down in that car. And it would have mounted perfectly. The transmission would have fit perfectly. The drive shaft was the same length. I could have removed the heart of that car and replaced it with a bigger engine. But my wife didn't love me. She didn't let me do that, Brother Krim. Uh, she hated that car so much. But I could have replaced it. That little car didn't have a whole lot of power but I could have replaced it with more power. Fear in my heart and my life holds me back from doing what God wants me to do. But it's amazing how God can take faith and God can remove that fear out of my heart and out of my life. And God can replace that fear with faith and allow me to go forward much quicker, much more effectively for the cause of Christ. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, Second Timothy tells us, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Can I tell you, if you follow the call of Christ, the devil will try to get you to stop. He'll try to slow you down. But faith replaces fear. Psalm 56, verse 3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God will I praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do to me. I love the story of Dr. John R. Rice. Dr. Rice was a great preacher and evangelist years ago. No relation to me. As an old man, Dr. Rice was walking down the street with another preacher one day and a young, desperate young man came up to him and pulled a gun and stuck that gun into his stomach. And he looked at Dr. Rice, an old man at the time, and he said, I'm going to blow your brains out. Give me all your money or I'm going to blow your brains out. That young man knew something that not very many people know. Every man with the last name of Rice, that's where their brains are, is right here. <laughs> but the man that was with Dr. Rice said, Dr. Rice looked down. He wore his glasses down on his nose like this. He looked down at that young fella and he said, son, you can't scare me with heaven. Can I tell you that we have nothing to fear in this world? Nothing to fear. Faith replaces fear. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Well, Peter would have in his travel and his journey of becoming a disciple... There would be mountaintops and there would be valleys. There would be times when Peter would deny Christ. There would be times when Peter would preach on Pentecost and thousands would be saved. Those mountains and valleys would come. There would be times when Peter would say, Thou art the Christ. 
Where else would we go? That's the word of life. And then there would be times when Peter would revert back to the old man and pull a sword out and chop off the ear of the high priest's servant. There'd be times when he'd say, I, I'll go all the way. And then there'd be times that Peter would follow afar off. There were mountains and valleys. It was not static. It was not a constant growth for Peter, as it will not be for you either. Peter had mountains, he had valleys, he had difficulties. But the beginning of his journey as a disciple was triumphant. Because Peter followed Jesus Christ. He followed Christ. As Jesus did for Peter, he calls all of us to follow him. He calls us to, to learn of him. By the way, accepting the call of Christ to be a disciple does not guarantee us uh, a promise of a future of comfort and safety. I'm reminded of the missionary that I haven't heard an update from the missionary in Haiti who, as far as I know, is still, if he's still this side of heaven, still in prison, still being beaten, as his captors, gang members in Haiti are demanding a million-dollar ransom for his life and his mother's life. Does that mean he wasn't a follower of Christ because he's facing difficulty? No, not at all. It doesn't mean if I follow him that everything's going to be the way I always wanted it. But it will mean that I will honor Christ with my life. Peter followed him, accepting Christ's call by obedience and faith will cause us to have to leave some things and cause us to have to follow to follow in faith and to allow that faith to remove our fear replace our fear as we go forward following Jesus Christ let's pray together Lord I thank you for the opportunity we have just as Peter stood on the shore that day and had a decision to make in following you Lord I believe that every one of us have the same decision a decision to follow you as a disciple a follower, a learner of Jesus Christ Lord, not to earn salvation. Lord, salvation is a free gift that we receive by simply placing our trust in you. But as believers, Lord, you want us to follow you. You want us to learn of you. And Lord, I pray that every one of us, as we continue in the study over the next several weeks and months, Lord, that we would learn to be disciples. That we would follow you. Lord, I pray you bless, minister, meet the needs of every person here. God, may you be glorified. May your will be done in our life. Lord, we praise you and thank you for what you've done, what you're going to do. In your precious name we pray. Amen.